morning, Goldendale, and hello to all of my fellow liberty-loving Americans all across the fruited plains from sea to shining sea. This is the host who loves you the most, Luke Throop here on another terrific Tuesday for Torch Report 498, Wisdom Solutions and Peace of Mind. Friends, today we're going to be coming at things from a different angle in order to evoke kind of a refreshing perspective, shall we say. And I'm going to open up the day with just a little poem here. There's something there, says the mind in a rift. Something where, says the mind as it sifts. There's something here, says the mind as it lifts. Something near, says the mind with its gifts. The sifting, the lifting, the, the, the sifting, the rifting, the lifting, and more. These are all gifting us things to explore. As our minds flit and flitter within what's in store. The potential of knowing the thing we adore. The truth, friends, the truth. Have you ever wondered about the way your mind works? Have, how it comes to bounce around from this thought to that? How it can be harnessed and focused to accomplish a task, how it is what it is, it's what we think and all of that. Have you ever thought about how your mind works? Friends, I've spent a lifetime exploring the mind and how my mind works. And for the majority of time in my life exploring the mind, politics were really the last thing on my mind. I used to, uh, you know, I joke and say all the time, you know, I never wanted to touch politics with a 10-foot pole. That's the truth. You know, politics from my former perspective, was just a kind of a shit show of bickering about things that don't really matter. And beyond that, there was there was the bickering about how to spend other people's money. And then there was the, the bickering about whether or not we should fight another war. And, and most especially the bickering about who gets to make the rules for everybody else. Now, I, I, I know that we need leadership. I get it. Society needs some structure to function efficiently, Uh, but, but the result of all this bickering was generally just little more than fat cats getting fatter and politicians getting richer and an ever-growing steaming heap of bullshit regulations. That's what uh, I thought of politics, and I would apologize for being crass, friends, but I suspect that you can relate. This is how people talk, right? Uh, You know, when we're hanging out with our family and friends during the holidays, at least in my little circle of trust, people cuss, you know, period. And no one gets offended by the words like bullshit. And that said, friends, I do try to keep the torch report PG for the most part so that parents can listen if there are kids around and not have to worry and all. But I'm sure any kid that's ever gone to a public school these days has heard a lot worse. And the truth is, Actually, I want the kids to hear what I have to say. And as a matter of fact, a little story here. You know, I had the privilege to teach a couple of current event classes to a group of high schoolers. And it's been an absolute blast. So the first, the first class I opened up with, all right, all right, give me some news. You know, kind of going around the room. Tell me something. Tell me something good. Da-da-da. Give me some good news, you know. And so these kids... Uh, This real kind of unassuming young lady just wryly replied, deadpan, well, we finally got rid of Kevin McCarthy. That's good news. (laughs) And I couldn't help but bust out laughing. It was perfect, and it was perfectly unexpected. And I I went on to explain why I agreed with the fact that when we got rid of, you know, Kevin the... Schmuck McCarthy, that was a good thing. And and when I said Kevin the Schmuck McCarthy, there was a younger boy uh, in the room, and he says, what's a schmuck? (laughs) 
<laughs> and anyway, the whole thing was just gold, friends, and I, I did my very best to answer in the politest terms what a schmuck was, and, and throughout the class, you know, I did my best to impart that burning sense that we are indeed born free as human beings, uh, that, that the government is trying to trample these freedoms, and of course, uh, I go out of the way to make the point, give me a little drum roll, please, the commies are taking over the world! <laughs> that's, that's what I told those kids. Anyways, you know, interestingly enough, friends, in moments like that, when I'm engaging an audience and teaching a class or guiding people through a workshop or what have you, time just flies by. You know, an hour is gone in an instant. And throughout that hour, there's really very little thinking. And it may seem counterintuitive, but, but for me, given my personality and my proclivities, my personal experience, it all kind of just comes flooding out. You know, I, I speak from the heart, and my mind doesn't really get in the way very much. And I'm engaged, I'm immersed in the moment, and it all just kind of seems to flow smoothly without much thought at all. Now, I'm, I'm setting the stage here to contrast with yesterday's report, which I'll tell you right now, I felt like was a subpar report. It wasn't my best report. They can't all be the best, but I just felt like, gosh, you know, it just was clunky. It didn't get it spit out. And anyway, so... That's because I was all caught up in my head, and, and I, we'll get into that. But when I'm in the zone, you know, when I'm, when I'm engaging and doing the things that I enjoy doing, speaking from the heart, I'm not caught up in the mind. That's the point. And this is, of course, what athletes call being in the zone. You know, they're not thinking about catching the ball. They're just doing it. And the same goes for warriors engaged in combat or, or lovers engaged in a dance. You know, there's no thinking in the moment. It's just doing and the doing just kind of somehow seems natural, albeit, I'll give you, you know, that the doing things is going to feel natural in varying degrees, depending on, you know, the level of practice and preparation and the doing things, we're going to experience varying degrees of success, uh, depending on how, how much practice and preparation we've done and all that. But so yesterday at dinnertime, you know, my family and I were talking about this sort of stuff and and uh, discussing this human tendency to overthink things. I was reflecting on the fact I didn't feel like the report was very good, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, it, it, as it came out in conversation, you know, obviously some people are more prone to suffer from overthinking than other people are. Again, that's depending on personality and a lifetime of personal habits. But generally speaking, I think most people can see how Overthinking tends to hinder productivity. It feeds into stress. Overthinking leads to headaches. And so I was talking with my teenager about this, and, and this wisdom uh, when talking to a teenager seemed the most applicable to the school stuff, like taking tests and writing assignments. Don't overthink it. You know, yeah, study, prepare, but when you're taking the test, just trust your gut, go with your first answer. If you got time to come back and check it later, fine. If you're writing a paper, don't sit there and wonder, geez, what should I say? What should I say? Just start writing. Put the pencil on the paper, you know, put your finger on the keys and start pecking away. And once you start, the words will follow. And I'm just curious if you've ever wondered why that is. Why is it that once we initiate a process, once we engage in actually doing what it is that we're prone to get stuck thinking about doing, why is it that things just sort of flow and, and unfold however they will once they're actually in motion. Have you ever thought about that? It's kind of like the original question. So for, for simplicity's sake, let, let's just think of it in terms of momentum, okay? 
if it takes effort to get the ball rolling, but once the once the ball is rolling, it develops its own momentum. Gravity, inertia, centripetal force, all this stuff, the laws of physics, they're great, right? So now then, <laughs> friends, you're probably wondering why in the hell I'm bringing all this up. Uh, what the hell does this have to do with the political circus, Luke? Geopolitical chaos, solving the world's problems? Come on, what the hell are you talking about? Well, again, remember my first question. How you ever wondered how your mind works and please know that it's totally normal if you haven't wondered how your mind works but you need to understand that some people have wondered how your mind works in fact over the last century or so some people have actually made a science of mastering how the mind works and this matters precisely because those who have attained this knowledge of how your mind works they are working on controlling your mind right now each and every day 24/7 365 it's not a joke and now they're using the supercomputers and the artificial intelligence to control your mind. Just saying, this is relevant, okay? But here's the good news. There, you know, <clears throat> given the fact that people have been working on how to understand and master and manipulate the human mind for a long time, long before there were scientists dissecting the human brain in search of the mind. Hint, it's not there. And long before psychologists were torturing people to understand what makes us tick, there was another group of people, actually several groups of people, who were also seeking to understand the mind. Now, in fact... You know, historically speaking, the people in these different groups often devoted their entire lives to understanding the mind. And cumulatively, over the course of hundreds and even thousands of years, they managed to figure a thing or two out about the human mind and what makes us tick and all of that. And that was long before the scientists and the psychologists came along, right? So I refer to, affectionately refer to this body of work as the wisdom of the sages that's been passed down through the ages. And, friends, this too I've spent a lifetime studying. I have lots of books. <laughs> uh, and, and most of my books are along the lines of psychology, philosophy, spirituality, you know, all of this kind of stuff. You know, what did people know before the internet? What did people know before they had televisions and radios? What did people know before books were even invented. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, you realize human beings were around a lot longer than books, right? So what did people know before all of these other things came along? And might I suggest an answer? I submit for your consideration that people knew nature. They knew nature. Throughout all of the ages, all of the sages, they shared this common knowledge. It was through their observations of and their immersion in nature that pure wisdom and knowledge was deduced, right? Long before there was electricity and telescopes, humans had managed to calculate the movement of planets. And to me, friends, this is just wonderfully fantastic. And it does come to bear on what's happening in the world today. It implies that the secrets of the universe are swirling around us at all times, waiting for the curious mind to probe into the eternal enigma, to learn something, extract something exciting and new, and then share this knowledge with the tribe. It's kind of primitive. It's pure. It's special. 
It's timeless, this curious exploration of, of what the world's all about. And so the question I, I offer is, could it be that this is how we solve all the world's problems? By coming back to this pure, primitive knowledge and understanding, by being curious, by exploring the great unknown, by doing things differently because, well, we've got nothing better to do, right? Imagine yourself living as people lived in the past, you know, without modern amenity, without all the modern distractions. Imagine yourself immersed in nature. What would you know? What could you learn? What would you do if you were immersed in nature without the modern amenities and distraction? You know, in reverse order, friends, if you think about it, if that was kind of, you know, stuck in natural reality, if you just got plucked and dropped off in the forest somewhere, okay? Uh, but nah, that's not a good example because <laughs> uh, the, for modern man to be plucked and dropped off into the forest somewhere, that could be a little bit scary. But imagine that you were comfortable living in that kind of environment, okay? Because that's all you'd ever known. And you learned, you know, by doing what you had to do, you would constantly be learning what you had to know, how to make a fire, how to get food, how to get water, how to have, stay warm, okay? And so your knowledge would come directly from experience. And then maybe in the quiet hours of life, perhaps watching a sunset or a sunrise, you might consider these experiences and this knowledge, reflecting and ruminating on your perpetual quest to find a better way. There's got to be a better way to get food. There's got to be a better way to build a fire. You know, I'm getting tired of rubbing these sticks together or something, right? So... That quest for finding that better way, that's stimulated by curiosity. Uh, alternately, if you're not sitting there reflecting and ruminating and thinking, you might just sit there and feel the sun on your skin, smell the breeze, listen to the leaves, and just be, right? There's no TV, no phone, there's nothing distracting you. You're just there. you just just being. And it's good to just be, and it's good to be alive. And that's what comes from the, the taking that time to just sit and be for a moment. Friends, this is deep wisdom. And this deep wisdom supersedes all of our modern problems. The knowledge gained from, nat from the natural world, direct experience of the natural world, that knowledge transcends our technological advances. And in the exact same way, our knowledge of self Understanding our own bodies and minds, our knowledge of self infinitely surpasses all of the knowledge of the modern world. All of it. And I know it might sound crazy, but I'll tell you why, okay? What is knowledge if not simply knowing? Where does it come from and why? And how do we know if our knowledge is pure? Is it not from somewhere inside? Friends, I like to say that we learn something new every day. How often have you learned something, you gained some new knowledge that totally changed everything you used to think, totally changed the way you used to do things, okay? No doubt it's happened at least once or two in a lifetime, I'm sure. You know, the point is that knowledge changes. Science changes. Understandings and perspectives change. And this is all head-level stuff. This is stuff that is floating around through our minds. And I'm getting to the point here, okay? Wisdom is different. Wisdom 
is how we evaluate knowledge. Right now, the world is suffering from overstimulation. Our minds are saturated with new facts. Our brains are burdened by an endless stream of too much information. And friends, this might have happened by accident, maybe, but it's no accident that right now this fact is being used against us. There's simply too much to keep track of. There are too many things moving in too many different directions at too many different speeds. The result of this fractures our focus. It splits the mind in the tiny little pieces, shattering our awareness. And eventually, this results in a delusional sort of psychosis. And if you look around the world today, I think you'll see exactly what I mean. This tech-induced, overstimulated psychosis is an inflammation of the mind. It's quite literally too many minds. To, uh, to quote the last samurai, too many minds, too many minds, okay? When the mind is shattered, we cannot keep track of all the scattered pieces. There are too many minds. And this, I believe, is the outcome, the intentional outcome of modern psychological warfare. The good news is that you are more than your mind, right? We are so much more than just our mind. That's really, really powerful and empowering truth. When you become aware of your mind, you can control your mind. If you're not controlling your mind, your mind is controlling you. But you can learn to focus when the mind feels scattered. You can even pick up the pieces of your mind if your mind gets shattered, you can gather your strength. You can gather yourself up and prepare for what lies ahead. Friends, we all need to prepare for what lies ahead. And there's a lot more psychological warfare, psyops, a lot more bombardment of the senses, mental and emotional manipulation lying ahead. And the solution to this is to get out of the head and into our deeper inner awareness, our spiritual awareness, the wisdom that is within. Okay? Yesterday's report, as I was saying, felt subpar. And I apologize. I, I really am. I'm sorry about that. Uh, I was reflecting on why I wasn't at my best. And as I was reflecting on why I wasn't at my best, it became perfectly clear. It was because I had too many minds. There were too many things on my mind, too many things that I was trying to communicate, and none of it was what I wanted to say. Here I'm trying to talk about the, the, the news of the day, but really on my heart is something totally different. My head and my heart were out of alignment. I was thinking too much and doing too little. I wasn't speaking from the heart. That's why yesterday's report was subpar. So I'm, I'm sorry about that. It happens, right? That's why today's torch report is more of a heart-to-heart, -heart, friends. I believe that solutions must start with wisdom, and that wisdom comes from the heart. And friends, I just, I want to thank you for joining me on this journey. Thanks for putting up with your favorite fuzzy peasant here, uh, having a little philosophical Tuesday discussion. Friends, if you have questions about any of this stuff, this head-heart stuff, this head-heart alignment, or this, this uh, you know, processing stress and all that kind of stuff, anything that we discussed today, don't be shy. Shoot me an email. You know, I know a lot of people struggle this time of year. Uh, there's a lot of stress for a lot of people this time of year. And in a world that's full of stress right now, it's pretty easy to feel overwhelmed. And I want you to know that 
I've got the tools and the experience to help with that. That was kind of what I specialized in prior to uh, focusing on the politics. So please know that I'm here to listen. I'm happy to help. There is a war going on, but we're in this fight together. And that is the message of my heart for today. Friends, if you're enjoying this podcast, please take the time to go to the website, DrWarchReport.com. Find the heart. Click the heart. Give me some love. Subscribe if you have not subscribed already. And of course, the greatest honor of all is if you share this podcast with everyone you know. Get out there and embrace this terrific Tuesday. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon.